0: Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. How many you are praying God tonight that God would have his way? Amen. Amen. Well, we appreciate your generosity and your giving. You're welcome to be seated. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm encouraged. I look around and we're, we're, we have a packed house uh, here tonight. And that's not anything that's unusual. Uh, here I reach church on Wednesday evening, but, uh, man, I'm, I'm, it's, it's good to be back in church. Uh, uh, my wife and I, as pastor Jacob mentioned, we, we've been on vacation and, uh, uh, we missed a lot of services. We missed last Wednesday. Uh, our brothers uh, uh, Peter Howell, uh, Jason Lopez, and Fabian uh, absolutely crushed it last week, and uh, we were able to catch some of that in, in your messages. And uh, I want to honor uh, honor those brothers. They did a tremendous job. Um, also, I want to honor our pastors, uh, Pastor Omar and Letty. They're uh, they're away on a well. Deserved, well-earned vacation, and uh, they're they're in Texas and they're enjoying uh, they're enjoying family. I think they've touched down already, so they're enjoying family. Uh, I know that Pastor Omar is going to be doing some ministry. Uh, those of you that don't know that don't know this, but uh, Pastor Omar uh, is the president of the Reach Network, and uh, that's several churches, uh, close to thirty churches, that are all connected in covenant relationship. And so we have uh, we have great thriving churches out in Texas. Uh, we have Hutto, uh, Reclaim Hutto, Reclaim Pflugerville. We have Reclaim San Antonio. And I don't know if we mentioned this, and maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but next Wednesday uh, we'll actually have Pastor Rudy Lugo with us uh, from from Reclaim San Antonio. So uh, that'll be a, that'll be a great treat. But I, I do I want to honor our senior pastors. I love them so much. They're dear dear friends. Uh, to, to my wife and I, to my family, and I just love them so much. And I want to encourage you to uh, to not take for granted uh, really the spiritual leadership and the headship that uh, ultimately is Christ, uh, but the under-shepherd and our pastors, Pastor Omar Cicilletti, fantastic people, excellent people, uh, people of integrity, and people that just love. And uh, so I, I want to honor uh, honor our pastors here tonight before we get started. And um just share with you just for a moment, and maybe just stay with me just just for a minute. Um, uh, my wife and I we, we were able to go. We were fortunate to go uh, to the East Coast, and um, maybe some of you don't know this, but New York is kind of uh, kind of in my DNA. My dad was born in the South Bronx, and so that was that was cool. We were able to go there. Uh, we caught a Yankees game. They lost, uh, but that you know, but they won the series, so so that's good. Um, okay, got a couple of fans out there. Um, oh, shoot, yeah. Um, uh, and then they lost tonight, but I'm sure they cheated. I'm sure the Houston cheated. Uh, but uh, it's okay, we'll, we'll be all right. But but anyways, I'm, I'm playing around. But uh, uh, it was really cool because it was something that I wanted to do and we were able to go uh, on the East Coast and we went to Philadelphia uh, uh, to look at some American history. And then we also went to, uh, to Washington, D.C. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, it was it was a great time and I would encourage you if you've never if you've never had the opportunity to go to really plan that uh, I was I was impacted tremendously uh, But one of the things that I wanted to do I had heard about uh, The Museum of the Bible anybody else that have have you heard of that the Museum of the Bible? I don't see a lot of hands going up I would encourage you to research it and uh, if you ever get the opportunity that you would seize that opportunity So uh, we were able to go to the Museum of the Bible and I was absolutely blown away uh, really, by um, by the experience, um, and uh, and really, uh, just I guess it was just overwhelming. But one of the things that I heard uh, talked about um, about the Museum of the Bible, and specifically about the Word of God, the Bible, which is central to each and every one of us, should be central to each and every one of us. And uh, as soon as you walked into the to, to the to the uh, Museum of the Bible, uh, the first sign. Was uh, was was a sign that said the impact of the Bible, and uh, um, and and when when I when I saw that kind of kind of read through it, and understanding that the Bible has persevered centuries and decades and and, and different um, different uh, leadership, different uh, kingdoms, and all all this different all that stuff, uh, but the deep roots in which the Bible has infiltrated. All societies and all cultures, and it's it's pretty tremendous. Um, uh, there's a there, there's a, a philosopher, a guy that I I like a lot, um, uh, Jordan B. Peterson, and uh, uh, he shared about his experience at the Museum of the Bible, and he said a couple of things. I want to share this with you because I think it's important for us to understand this. He said uh, that after he had listed several of the most notable authors, and as I was perusing the the uh, uh, the museum you saw, uh, you know Shakespeare, which is, uh, which is kind of you know renowned as one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest authors of of, uh, of all time, um, but you see different several different authors like that, um, and so he said uh, um, after listing a, a bunch of those notable authors and history of the world, and he noted how their writings became the fundamental basis for many things that came after. Those writings, And he's added this, he said, that the Bible is certainly at the base of it all. He went on to say, um, uh, and so it isn't that the Bible is true, he said, it's that the Bible is the precondition, I want you to listen to this, is the precondition for the manifestation of truth, which makes it way more true than just true. It's a whole different kind of true and I think this is, I think that this is not only literally the case factually, I think it can't be any other way. And so I kind of came away from, from my experience at the, at the Museum of the Bible with the same understanding, not that I didn't already have this conviction in my life that the Bible was true, but when you're able to really start to connect the dots of the impact of the Word of God on different cultures and societies, and how that truly is the basis of all the world's existence is all predicated on the Bible. And then I think about this, and I think I think about um, how how casually we treat uh, the precious uh, Word of God in our lives, uh, how we don't take advantage of the opportunities that we have to get into the Word and to to learn and to really mine, you know, this the the, the great riches and treasure. That we find in the Bible, and one of the things that 's a fundamental truth uh, that's revealed in the Bible is this and very simple but but it's this that God has an unconditional love for his most valued creation this is this is the premise of the Bible that God has an unconditional love for his most valued creation. I think there's some people here maybe this morning or or tonight that maybe you don't feel so hot, maybe you don't feel like uh, people care so much, but I want you. I want to tell you that there's a God that loves you unconditionally. He loves you unconditionally. And uh, the the second revelation is this: is that if if uh, if that's the truth, then the greatest accomplishment that creation, you and I, could ever ever achieve in our lives is to love God likewise. Jesus said. Matthew 22, but Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And so listen, if loving God is our greatest duty, then the love we show him outweighs any other. Everything else, all people, all things, all hobbies, all those things are all secondary to God. And this is really how we have to kind of prioritize things, how we have to look at our lives and really get the right perception or the right perspective in our lives. It's very easy for us to get those things out of order. Uh, and and it's, it's scriptures like this that help us to kind of realign or recalibrate in our lives. And so this is the question is, what do we do with this idea? Because sometimes loving an invisible God is much more difficult than loving someone that you can see. Right, You're someone that's tangible, someone that you could touch, someone that could hug you. So it's easier to, to show affection or show love to that. The, the second thing is sometimes praying to God is much more difficult than just going to someone and asking advice. Anybody ever struggle with that? Like uh, you've asked everyone for advice. You've asked everyone to weigh in on what the situation is and you've just disregarded your time, your secret place in prayer. And so if we hold God as our first love, then He deserves most or if not all of our time, all of our energy, all of our effort, solely. And He deserves much more than than we put anywhere else. And this is the statement I wanna make to you as I kind of, you know, just, just the introduction, but what we care about most, we invest in daily. So I want you to kind of audit your life, even audit today. What what did you invest in? What did you what did you do with your time today? What did you do with it? Because whatever you invest in or whatever you care about most, you invest in that that daily. So when we maintain God as our first love, we choose to commit to him daily. Psalms 37, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the first five scriptures. I'll reference some of Psalms 37, but uh, that's kind of where we're going to be uh, tonight, but the Bible says, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong, for like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Verse five, listen to this. Commit everything you do to the Lord trust him and he will help you let's pray father we just thank you lord for your word we thank you god that with your word god just a few moments in your presence everything is reoriented everything is recalibrated we understand we're reminded of the awesomeness of who you are and the reality god of of who you are in our lives and i pray tonight lord as we Search the scriptures, God, that your spirit would search our hearts and help us, Lord, to understand. Help us, God, to have a fresh understanding, a fresh revelation of who you are. Transform us, God, in our hearts, in our minds. And Father, I pray that you be glorified in everything tonight. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, say Amen. 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 Thank you, Daisy. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 5 says. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And I think about this, I think that many of us have plans in our lives. Yes, we have plans to do something. If I was to ask you, what are you doing tomorrow? I'd imagine that many of you have plans. What are you doing this weekend? You have plans, maybe even goals. Maybe you're planning what your life is supposed to look like. Uh, and I'm I'm guilty of this as well. That uh, we put so much stock in our own ingenuity, and in our own wisdom, and our own effort. That oftentimes we're planning things out, and we're not we're not really committing those things to God. As I was at the Bible Museum, I, I have a ton of content in my mind about this. But uh, uh, we walked through different like different areas, and uh, it was uh, a scene of Nazareth, uh, Nazareth and um, uh, the history of the of the Nazareth is that many of them were carpenters. That's pretty much why Jesus was a carpenter, right? Um, but there was a sign, and I'm gonna mess up the statement. I couldn't find the picture that I took, but it, it said this, that uh, the Nazarites the would often make things. They'd build their own homes and they would construct it and things like that. They would build their own furniture and all of that kind of stuff. But they said that oftentimes or sometimes that they would have to reach out to a master builder to help them orient something or help them to fix something. And when I saw that, it just hit me that oftentimes, even with us, we're out constructing our own lives, we're planning our own lives, what school we're gonna go to, what job we're gonna have, What uh, what's gonna be our next step in our professional career or what is our family gonna look like. Uh, and, and, and we disregard the master builder, we disregard, uh, reaching out to God and allowing God really to influence and impact and direct us and guide us. Uh, as I was reading uh, Psalm, and uh, some of you know this, I've been uh, really studying the Old Testament more than uh, um, more than I have in the past. And uh, as I was reading Psalms, uh, I, I I I caught I caught a couple of things. I just want to read this to you. Um, it says that the book of Psalms deep, uh, deals primarily with God, man, and the resolution of tension between a holy transcendent God and a sinful alienated finite human beings, that's us. Some scholars believe that the Psalms contains the deepest theology in the Old Testament and perhaps in the Bible. A couple of men said, said this, they said that the Psalms bridges the gap between then and now the ancient world and the present world probably better than any other book of the Bible. Another man says, the dominant message of the book of Psalms is twofold. Number one, God is good. Number one, primarily, that God is good. Secondly, we're all gonna like this, is that life is difficult. God is good. Life is difficult. And the life of faith we're called to live is lived out between these two realities. That God is good and life is difficult. How many of you have had difficulties in your life? And how many of you could say that in that experience, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, that you had a revelation that God is good despite those situations? This is the reality. This is the simple truth. This is the simple gospel. So the Bible says, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. So what is it, what does this commitment mean in this context? And is commitment and uh, is commitment the same as trust? Now, Pastor Omar preached a bad message on Sunday. Were, were you guys here? Who was here for Sunday's message? It was, it, it was awesome. I didn't see a lot of hands. Where, where was everyone else at, watching football? No, I'm playing. No, Pastor Omar preached a powerful message on trust on, on, on Sunday. And when I heard that, I, I'd already, God had already deposited uh, really the, the context or the thought or the concept of my message. But when I heard Pastor Omar, I said, oh man, this is like, this is like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, this is just gonna go together really, really well. So what, is, what does commitment mean in this context and what is commitment uh, or and is commitment the same as trusting? This, these, are, these are things that we have to understand. See, uh, the passage that I, re- that I read in Psalms 37 begins with a warning to avoid copying the behaviors of the wicked or the unrighteous. In one translation, David refers to the unrighteous as wicked people and, and, and says, instead of following their path, that we are to follow God's path, that's very simple. So he says to trust the Lord, trust the Lord. Many of us have have difficulty with that. And then he goes on to say, and take delight in the Lord. And when we do this, we're fulfilling our heart's desires that lead us to a secure life. And tonight really what I want to encourage you in is the fact that there are commitments that we can make that could build confidence in the life that we're living of faith. There are commitments that we make, there's actions, there's things that we could do that will help build confidence around this life of faith that we're trying to live out. How many of you struggle with doubt sometimes? Am I the only one? Okay. And so we're talking tonight about commitment that builds confidence. And so David emphasizes the idea in the fifth verse when he tells us to commit. Anybody have commitment issues? He says, commit to the Lord and to trust him. And then he goes on and he says it this way. It's kind of poetic. He says in, in Psalms 37, six, I didn't read this, but for the sake of time, didn't want to read the whole thing. But he says, righteousness shine like the dawn. And so if we're righteous, if we're righteous in what we do, it'll, it'll, be, it'll radiate out of our lives that everyone would be able to see And so we're committing to righteousness every single day. Not only that, but the dawn, like I said, radiates so everyone could see. And so when we commit to God, all who see what we're doing, as we commit to God in our deeds and our actions and our posture, everyone will see the righteousness in which God has deposited in each and every one of us. And so commitment really in Psalms 37 is the basis of that whole chapter and the other one is trust, and both of these are critical or integral to our relationship as we build it, relying on God and relying on Him to act on our behalf as we seek Him daily. See, there's nothing of substance, there's nothing of worth that could be accomplished outside of God. And so every single day we're committing our action, we're committing our day, we're committing our lives to God every single day, and we understand that He's going to act on our behalf and he's going to do what he's always done and been faithful and come through for us time and time and time again. So how do we commit our ways to the Lord in whatever we do? What does this look like practically? And we're told to commit our ways to the Lord in everything that we do and when we trust God, we remain confident that following him will lead to God's satisfaction with us. God will smile on you and ultimately we'll be fulfilled in ourselves. This is the only way that we find contentment is that we would commit our lives, commit ourselves wholly to God. There's no half-stepping. You can't be halfway in and halfway out. How many of us have ever lived our lives kind of on the fence? There's nothing more torturous or burdensome than living that way. And so when we trust God, we remain confident And following him, that God's going, that God's satisfaction, it will lead us to God's satisfaction in our own fulfillment. And so when we trust God, listen to this, when we trust God, we believe his promises before seeing them fulfilled. This is trust. This is the, 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 the basic understanding of what trust is. If you trust God, then you believe that his promises are true. You believe that he's able to do it and you trust him and you believe it before you've even seen it. And so whatever situation that you're facing tonight, if you're, if you're true and you say that you're trusting God, then it's like you're seeing it before it's even, before it's even coming true. It's like that loved one, it's like that son, that daughter, that, uh, that husband, that wife, whatever it is that you're believing God for, you're, 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 you pray every single day, God, this, he will be a man or a woman of God. He will be all that you've called him to be. Whatever that is, you trust that, and you understand that before you're seeing them fulfill, this is true trust in God. I, 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 love, what, I love what Pastor Omar says as it relates to our emotions, because sometimes our emotions get the best of us. Sometimes we don't see it the way that it's supposed to be and we get discouraged. Anybody else, anybody else ever feel that way? Like, it's like, my goodness, uh, you're never gonna get this right. We, we're, just, we're just going through the same circle, cycle and cycle and cycle, and we're never gonna get this right. I love this. Pastor Omar says this often, he reminds us, he says that we don't live by our emotions, but by our commitments. We don't live by our emotions. It doesn't matter whether you're feeling it today, you're gonna commit to the Lord every single day. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter about uh, your emotions. It doesn't matter what's going on. We don't live by our emotions, but by our commitments. And so three simple ways that we could commit ourselves to the Lord every single day, and the first thing, is that we would pray constantly. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in the good times. Give thanks when the direct deposit hits. Give thanks when the stimmy hits. Give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so a daily relationship with God and connecting with Him in prayer is one way that we can commit our lives every single day. Now I say this and I feel like we say this often, um, but you either would or wouldn't, I don't know, you may not be surprised, you may be surprised how many people don't pray. Just don't pray. Just don't have the discipline in your in your life. Just don't practice consistent prayer. And so this is why, you ever feel disconnected to God? You're probably not praying. You're probably not praying. The second thing we could do, simple, is we could study the Bible. And I appreciate so much uh, our brother, uh, Jason Lopez, and, and his message on Wednesday about the truth and the Bible and the word of God and how it's so powerful to transform and so powerful to to give life. Psalms one nineteen eleven says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. And so listen, the more familiar we become with the word, the more ingrained that the word is in us, the Holy Spirit just like quickens us in a moment, like, my goodness, you have a bad attitude. You're tripping. You gotta get that right. Just like that. The third thing is this, is that we need to be in community. See, God created us for him, but also for each other. And what I love so much, I, one, of, one of our values here uh, at, at Reach Church is life on life, and we believe in discipleship, we believe that we do these things together, that we're living this life, we're going through, we're sharing each other's burdens, we're doing this life on life. Psalms 120, or Psalms 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. I'll tell you this, if you're a rogue Christian, if you're a solo, solo act, you're dull. You're tripping. I've been there. So the third thing, very, very practical, is that we have to be a community. We have to be connected. We have to be a part of the body of believers, we have to not forsake assembling ourselves. We have to commit, we have to commit to connect group, connecting with other people. We have to commit to small group, all these different things. We have to be in community and this strengthens, this strengthens us. So here's the problem is that many of us, some of us, we fear commitment. This really messes up our ability, first and foremost, to connect with God, but secondly, to connect with others. Anybody anybody kind of like have commitment issues? I, I ask that. Uh, I'll tell you a story just real quick. Uh, there was an honest hand back there. I saw you. Uh, I'll tell you a story real quick. So uh, uh, last year, no, this, uh, towards last year, the end of last year, I was uh, I was challenged to start running. I'm not a runner, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm I'm a gym guy uh, or aspire to be a gym guy, uh, but I don't run. I hate cardio, and so uh, so our friends uh, uh, John and, and Jennifer Alcarez, they challenged us to to run, and uh, and I you know you can't challenge me because then I, I got to do it. So uh, so so we did it and, and so we started running. And the first thing that we did was we did uh, this 10k Spartan race. And if you don't know what that is, it's an obstacle obstacle course race. Uh, and 10K is, uh, that one specifically was like 6.6 miles. That was the longest run I have ever ran in my entire life and that was the first run that I ever ran in my entire life. Probably not the right call there. Um, but but you know, uh, we, we did it and, and we finished it and, and that was cool, but uh, the point of that is that whenever you're signing up for a Spartan race, you pick the right date, you pick whatever event you wanna be a part of, you pick all that kind of stuff. And then down at the bottom, it's, it's a red box and it says commit. And my goodness, I leave all of myself like in the cart for some time because I just don't want to, I just don't want to commit. I know that once I spend that money, I got to, I got to show up. I'm not going to burn it. And so there's this anxiety that each and every one of us have with commitment And really, I believe that if we have an understanding of what's going on in our minds and our hearts as it relates to commitment, it could probably help us overcome some of these things and help us, number one, have a deeper connection with God, a deeper trust with God. I also believe that it could help us relationally with each other. So I want to look at this. Uh, as it relates to fear of commitment and maybe a little bit of psychology. Now, I'm not certified. I'm just sharing information that I read, so I'm not diagnosing anybody, okay? Diagnose yourself. Okay? But one of the things that hinders us in commitment is a thing called attachment insecurity. You may have heard of this, okay? Um, And there's different styles of attachment insecurity. So I just wanna share them with you real quick because again, I believe that if you have an understanding, you're able to connect the dots, you're able to overcome some of these things and have a deeper, richer, fuller life, not only with God, but also with your brothers and sisters. Is that okay? So this attachment insecurity uh, really depends on how you experience your first bond. So as you're growing up as a child, really frames everything, your relationships, like how you perceive this world is framed from a child, and and so uh, so this attachment and security. There's these style theories, and I'll read this to you. I read this in an article. It says the theory states that the primary goal of a human infant is to maintain proximity to its caregiver, which was necessary for survival during our prim- primitive years. So, our primary goal as an infant was to be close in proximity to the caregiver one that's going to protect us do you understand how you could connect the dots in that relationship as we're supposed to trust God with everything for safety and security and have confidence that how this experience, your first experience could really shape all of that and so according to the theory there's four types I I don't have time to get into the details of this but it's secure which is a healthy attachment style and then there's the unhealthy ones It's avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. So the first one is this secure attachment style. Now this is if you were raised in a healthy home and your parents or caregivers were attentive to you, it was healthy, they were loving you, uh, they allowed you to share uh, your thoughts and your opinions and all that kind of stuff, okay, like a healthy situation. That is manifested in the relationships That you have, and so if you have healthy relationships, you were probably raised, probably raised in a healthy environment. Okay, now let's get to some of these, some of these ones that kind of mess us up. Now, uh, again, you diagnose yourself. Okay, I'm just sharing information. I'm not pointing any fingers. The first one is an avoidant attachment style, and this is defined by failures to build long-term relationships with others due to an inability to engage in physical and emotional intimacy. So how this develops is that in our childhood, uh, we may have had strict or emotionally distant, absent caregivers. And so this frames that this person that was supposed to love me and care for me is distant and I can't really connect with them. You see how we could potentially pull that perspective or that thought and apply that to our relationship with God. See. Some of the signs of this avoidance style is that we feel a strong sense of independence we 're uncomfortable expressing our feelings uh, we 're dismissive of other people. we have a hard time trusting people. Uh, you feel threatened by anyone who tries to get close to you uh, you'd rather be alone and, and quite honestly uh, you just generally have commitment issues okay and uh, uh, and this is this is this is kind of this this is messed up. The second thing is. An anxious attachment style, and this style is char- characterized by fear of rejection or fear of abandonment, or codependency on other people. And so, how this is developed is that it stems from inconsistent parenting that isn't attuned to a child's needs. So, you, you just uh, whatever was going on in your household that was inconsistent, and so we take this uh, this this perception or this assumption that. Everyone is going to fail us, and so God is no different than anyone else, and I can't truly trust him because he'll just fail me like my dad failed me, or he'll fail me like my mom failed me, or he'll fail me like my spouse failed me. You understand where I'm going with this? The last one is a disorganized attachment lifestyle, or attachment style. And this is defined as having extremely inconsistent behavior and difficulty trusting others. In this case, caregivers are inconsistent and often seen as sources of comfort and fear by their children, which leads them to disorganized behaviors. Again, fear of rejection, inability to regulate emotions, contradictory behaviors, uh, the things that you wanna do, you can't do, and the things that you don't want to do, you just consistently do those. Anybody ever been in that cycle? This is what happens, and so I share these things with us so that we can have an understanding as to how we perceive the world, these first relationships really really create the framework in how we, how we visualize God and how we visualize others. Now this is the hope and this is the beauty in it is that the most important thing to know is that regardless of your situation, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of the condition maybe even that you're in tonight, that God can make you anew that God could change everything. You could be broken emotionally, you could be broken in your thinking, but in a moment in the presence of God, everything could become new. God could exchange your brokenness for beauty. And so this is the last thing that I wanna wanna close with quickly is, how do we know if we're completely committed to Christ how I mean what are what are the metrics how do I how am I able to point to say okay I'm living a life that is pleasing to God how many of us want to live a life that's pleasing to God and so how do we how do we identify those things how do we do that because look on the outside everything could look really good but on the inside you're dying I've had seasons in my life that everything looks good on the outside but on the inside I'm absolutely dying right I gotta I gotta I gotta save face or I have to put on the good front for everyone, for my family or for, uh, or for those that are looking uh, to me for leadership or direction. I have to continue to go. And uh, this, is a, this, is, uh, this is a brokenness or a part of us that we have to understand and we have to get right. And so how do we know that we've surrendered everything? Audit yourself. A couple of questions here. Is it a mindset that we're making the right choices? Question mark. Is it listening to a sermon, podcast, reach podcast, instead of listening to something else, whatever it is? Like, is that, is that, like those boxes that are checked, does that tell me that, okay, yes, I'm committed to God? Is it listening to a sermon or mindless scrolling on social media? Do I have that discipline? Is it attending Reach Bible Institute instead of engaging in your most recent hobby, whatever that is? is this the box that I could check to say okay yeah I'm doing that or is it serving more or being more involved that's, that's definitely going to do it that's definitely going to get me this, this commitment that I'm, I, 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 I long to have and so this is the reality of a life completely committed to God this is the reality Luke 14:33 says any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple check that box That'll help you, that, that'll help you move closer. The second one, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Check that box. Who am I allowing to take precedence in my life? Who am I prioritizing over God in my life? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Check that box. Philippians three seven eight. 8. Whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or garbage in order that I may, that I may gain Christ. Check that box. If you can look at your life and you can say, yes, I'm oriented in this fashion, yes, I'm living in this posture, then I believe that you're on the right track. And and if you could check all four of these boxes, you're probably doing better than most of us. But this is the reality that many of us walk around with an imposter syndrome, and this is natural, that we doubt our salvation, that we doubt that God actually loves us, that we doubt that there's actually anything good for us to offer this world at all. Every single one of us deal with this. I'm included, every single one of us deal with this. Every single day, there's a moment I'm sure that you think, am I really real? Am I a phony? It's a very real thought. Now listen to this, not one of us, none of us will ever get to a point in our Christian maturity where we don't doubt the authenticity of our commitment. That is always going to be nagging against us. It's the flesh that's trying to pull away and rip away this assurance and this confidence that God has given us through the Holy Spirit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians thirteen three. he said, if I give away all I have, this is scary, listen to this. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. This is scary because it's really like this possibility that you could be doing all kinds of things. You could be serving. You could be a connect group leader. You could be doing all these different acts, these righteous acts. But if, you've ha- if you have not love, you gain nothing. This is shocking. This is scary. This is sobering. And so, in conclusion, I, I want us to give us just a couple of things here steps towards this commitment that builds confidence that we could be assured, we could rest assured that God has us, that we're secure in our salvation, we're secure in our relationship with God, that God is trustworthy, that God is working for, for you, God is for us and not against us, God is working on our behalf, God is working out all the things according to his goodness. The first thing that we, we need to do is speak the truth. You have to declare the word of God over your life. You have to know the word of God. You have to dec- declare the word of God over your life. You gotta speak it out loud. You gotta say it. In this verbal declaration, as you're saying it, as you're speaking it out, the verbal declaration of your complete commitment strengthens the very thing that you're saying. So as you're saying it, it's being emboldened in your spirit. It's being, uh, it's being secured in, in your heart and your mind. It's being... Uh, As you ruminate on the Word of God, it's transforming you. As you're declaring it, you're shifting the atmosphere. You're shifting the environment. And you're filling it with faith. My brother uh, Jason says it often that talk is cheap. And so it's not just speaking it out, but it's actually doing something with it, and so I could tell you how righteous I am, but if my acts or my fruit is not consistent, then I have nothing. So, the second thing that we could do is that we could act and we could act on some of these things that God puts. How many of you have been uh, pressed by the Holy Spirit in a moment where it's like God quickens you? Like, yeah, you need to speak to that person, or you need to, you need to do something like you, you have to respond immediately. In those acts, as we respond and we experience the power of God in those moments, this is the commitment that builds confidence in our life. And the last thing in closing is this, is that we have to pray and believe with confidence the word of God. Hebrews Hebrews 4, 14 and 16 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence or assurance or boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the most important thing here. If we're doing the odd in our lives and we're checking these boxes of commitment and my building, is my commitment one that's building faith and confidence in my life? This is the most important thing right here. And Paul talks about it in Romans eight sixteen. He says this, that the spirit himself, the spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See, I believe it's, it, I, I know this, this is my conviction that God does not desire us to walk around in constant fear and doubt that man, I just messed up. I, 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 just, I don't know if God could love me. I don't know if God will forgive me for that. Or man, did I, did I just say or do something wrong that, that, that kicks me out of the family of God? God wants us to be secure, that he holds us, that we're assured by what Christ ultimately fulfilled in Calvary. That if you believe in, that you believe in Christ, that you confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart, that you're saved, you're secure. I love it. John says that no one, or Jesus says that no one could snatch out of his hand. If you're, in, if you're in God's hand, you're secure. You're secure. And so I believe that there's many of us that walk around, we walk around with this burden of religion or this burden of tradition, this burden of self doubt, this burden of imposter syndrome on us. And we're like Eeyore. We're just like, oh my goodness, you know, God, God doesn't want to hear from me today. I can't pray, I can't worship. God, God's disappointed in me. And this is our brokenness, this is our, our messed up thinking. If God loves us, God loves us unconditionally. And God's primary desire is to be in right relationship with each and every one of us. I'm gonna ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes in reverence to God. A couple things that we, that we wanna do before we before we leave tonight. The first first thing is that I believe it's my responsibility tonight, my assignment, to ensure that everybody in this room has this confidence that I'm talking about. I understand that you're not perfect. I understand that you're broken just like me. But this is the promise is that if you confess your sin if you believe in God that God is who he says he is and you accept him as lord of your life, king of your life, you'll be saved. And that's the truth of God. And I believe that my responsibility tonight is that each and every one of us leave this place with that assurance or that confidence that God I I often mess up, but I know that you're gracious. I know that you're merciful. I know that you love me. And so if you're here tonight, within the sound of my voice, and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I, I don't have that confidence. In fact, I'm pretty insecure about my relationship with the Lord. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here tonight and the Holy Spirit is drawing you. even talking to you right now and pulling on your heart to respond. And so if there's anybody here saying, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I need to, I need to get that right. I want you just to lift your hand real quick. Anybody in the room? Say, I just, I need hands going up already. I see your hand, thank you. Thank you, you can put it down. Say, you know what Pastor Isaac, I've just, no, I, I don't have this confidence. I live in fear, constant fear, I can't, constant anxiety. At times I even feel like God is just disappointed in me. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. I'm here to tell you that God loves you, that God desires to restore you, to be in a fulfilled, content relationship. Anybody else? you be honest, just real quick before I before I move on. Anybody else? If, if you're here, just lift your hand just real quick. Just real quick, we'll pray. Hands going up, more hands going up. Praise God. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I've walked with the Lord, but I, I feel like... I've turned my back on him and I'm, today, my life is not a committed life to Christ. I'm here to tell you that there's enough grace, there's enough, there's enough grace for you. And so maybe you're here tonight and say, I was walking with the Lord at one time, but I've I've walked away and I've, I just really need help. I need to, I need to fix my relationship with the Lord. If you're here tonight and that's you, just lift your hand, just, just lift your hand real quick. More hands going up. It's awesome. I'm going to ask if everyone would stand with me tonight. Just stand up with me. We're going we're to pray. And those of you that that lifted your hand, I know there's several hands. There's hands here but right there in the back as well. What I want you to do, I just want you to get out of your seat and just come and meet me down here. Just, just come and walk up right here. Come on, just get out of your seat. Just... there's no condemnation in Christ so just come on just come out of your seat I I don't want to I don't want to move too quickly but I want to give an opportunity appreciate you You just come stand right here here. is there anybody else that wants to join anybody else real quick no alright well this is an important important thing and uh I want to pray with you, and I want, uh, first of all, I want to tell you that that God is pleased with your heart. God is pleased with your intention. We have good intentions. God is pleased with that, and uh, your response to Him in this moment, um, God will give you everything that you feel that you're that you're missing. So I want to pray with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a prayer. I want you to repeat that prayer, but you're not praying it to me or anybody else. But you're making a declaration tonight verbally out loud to God. So repeat this after me. Say, Father, forgive me for living a life of of my own. I commit today that you are God, that you are Lord. I pray that you come into my heart, be king of my life. Restore that which is broken. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Christ is Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you would stretch your hands forward, we're going to pray with them. I'm going to ask those that are here, pray with them. Just maybe come around them and speak to them, just minister to them. I want to give an opportunity for uh, for the rest of us to, to respond to the message and really I want to ask you to take inventory in your own life is where is your commitment level and I'm not saying committed I'm not necessarily saying commitment to a church I'm not necessarily saying a commitment to any organization I'm saying where is your commitment to God and I believe that I believe that many of us are not living the life that we desire the life that we aspire to live because our commitments are out of line. And so if you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I, I, need to, I need to get some things right. I'm gonna open up the altar. I just want you to get out of your seat and come down here and meet me. Come on, just no shame, just get out of your seat. And I believe that God is here. I believe that God is even highlighting things in your life, highlighting decisions that you're making, maybe even things that are pending. God is trying to reorient those things. God is trying to calibrate those things in us. Come on, they're going to lead us in worship. We're going to pray. Come on, just get out of your seat. If you're still in your seat and you know you should be down here, just come just come down. We're going to pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give